Good morning, folks. How's it going? I hope you look, I hope you feel as good as you look. I don't even know how that's possible, especially for somebody like James. Either James, either James. How could you even feel that good? And he'd say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church, where no matter your story, you're welcome, you're wanted, and you're loved. Hello to y'all here, and hello to the folks out in the land of the internet listening to the podcast. I'm always encouraged to, to hear about people uh, listening that way. We have an announcement up here on the screen. The baptism service will be next Sunday, July 24th. That will be down at the Honeycuts. It's uh, not the easiest place to get to, but once you get there, you understand why we would have it there. It's just a beautiful, perfect place. And um, if you want to be a part of that baptism service, let me know. Let me know. Hey, it's always good to know we got some kids kids who are uh, with us, you know, even at the moments where we can sort of hear them in the background and maybe they're not having their best moment. But, uh, hey, I've been there. You ever have bad moments? <laughs> I've been there too, for sure. Although I did see something this week that substantially brightened my day i mean like so much i was driving on highway 58 on friday going west and i had this amazing vision not like a vision from the lord you know not like anything supernatural not like a vision like a plan for the future i saw a billboard normally i don't pay attention to billboards but this billboard was special this particular billboard uh, moved my heart. It spoke to me. There were four people on this billboard. Three of them I did not recognize, but to be fair, I didn't really pay that much attention because the other person on the billboard really got my attention because I didn't know them, but I knew this fourth person. I was so awestruck uh, by this individual looking majestic and, and uh, yet personable, the paragon of courage and vitality gracing the westbound lane in Woodlawn. Uh, who was this person? It was one of our, our very own. If you, if you see Nick, tell him that he looks good on that billboard, okay? If you see Nick, Nick's not here this morning. So next time you see him, say, man, I saw you. You're looking good, looking majestic. That's the word that came to my mind, is majestic. You can tell him, Pastor Michael says, you're looking majestic. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it's a powerful image. You know, images, why do billboards use images instead of a lot of text? Well, for a couple of reasons. For one, you can't read a lot of text going by. You just don't have time. Uh, images communicate so much faster than text does, than reading something. Even people who love to read enjoy reading most when the words paint pictures, when you can kind of visualize what's going on. Now, that might be part of the reason why so many folks find it difficult to just sit down and open a Bible and, and read. You know, normally, it, well, for one thing, it doesn't have pictures. Unless you're looking at the maps, most of the time it doesn't have pictures. But, but also, depending on where you open it, it might be lots and lots of information without a lot of narrative or a lot of, of word pictures or a lot of stories. And and not that the information isn't important, it absolutely is, but if you're just sort of sitting down and trying to get started, maybe it's a little, it's a little tougher. Um, but I've got some good news for anybody who would like to understand the Bible better. There was an author who wrote about the life of Jesus in a way that was very 
fast-paced. Um, it was very action-packed, very visual. It was kind of almost like a, like a movie. You can picture it like a movie or a graphic novel. Uh, this gospel was especially written for people who didn't have a big theological background, didn't go to seminary. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to really plug into this particular gospel. You don't have to have a lifetime in Sunday school to understand the stories. It's, it's very accessible. It's you, it's what you only need, the only thing you need is a heart that knows and loves Jesus or wants to know Jesus anyway. Even if you don't know much about him yet, you'll want to know. And it's a good place to start. You want to you get to know Jesus? My recommendation is start with the Gospel of Mark. Great place to start. That's where we're going to camp out for a while, Lord willing. We're going to camp out in the book of Mark for a while, kind of like we did in the book of Daniel. And uh, whether you're digging into the Bible for the first time or you've been doing this Jesus thing for years, this, I think, will give you some perspective on it. So let's get started with the first verse, and then we'll pray just one verse. Mark 1.1, 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'll read it one more time because it's so short. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that you will begin something now that will awaken our hearts to who Jesus is and how much we can trust him and how he really is who he says he is. God, so many of us have carried burdens and anxieties into this room and there's no peace out in the world for these things, but in Jesus there is peace. And we ask that you'll be at work now in us in Jesus' name. Amen. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is essentially the title that Mark gives for this book. And it tells us a lot about what to expect as well. Have you ever seen something that's got one title, but it, you, you pick up a book or you start a movie based on the title and you're like, man, this is nothing like the title. This doesn't make any sense at all. Um, you know, I, ca I can't think of any right now. It'd been better for me to come up with some edit, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, uh, you know, the where the crawdads sing. I don't think there's any singing crawdads in that. I haven't read that book. I haven't seen the movie, but I'm assuming there is no singing crustacean. I really don't know. So <laughs> this is an account of the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus is his personal name. It is the equivalent of the Old Testament name Joshua. Great name. The name means Jehovah saves or the Lord saves. Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. And H is not his middle initial. Okay, I've, I'm not sure what to do with that. I'm not sure where that comes from and I don't want to know. But Christ is not his last name. Christ is his role. It's a description of what he uh, does, the, the place that he fills. The word Christ is same as the word Messiah. Messiah is maybe a little more familiar. It means, you know, a savior. And specifically, it means an anointed one, the anointed one. So Jesus is Jesus, the savior sent from God, who was anointed by him to fulfill this special role of savior. And we're told up front in this verse that Jesus has a very special connection with God. He is not just a messenger from god he's not just a servant of god he's not just a teacher from god what does the scripture say he is he's the son of god so much more close now if that's a pretty bold claim 
Most religions around the world do give some credit to Jesus. They'll say, yeah, Jesus, he was, he was a guru. He was a good teacher. He was a great man. He was a great philosopher. <clears throat> but I'm here to tell you, Jesus is so much more than any of that or all of those things put together. Mark is going to prove through these stories that Jesus is the Son of God. He does say this is the beginning of the gospel, and I don't think that's just a way to say, hey, this is the beginning. You know, it's a way of saying introduction, part one, chapter one. I think this is the beginning of the gospel because the gospel doesn't stop here. The, the gospel is, you know, we hear the story of his Jesus' life and his miracles and his teaching and his death, his burial, his resurrection, and yet that's only the beginning because the gospel keeps on going, not adding new information, but the, the good news of Jesus keeps on going and Jesus is still changing hearts and lives, doing, still doing miracles, still impacting lives. Jesus is still at work in people like you, people like me, people like everyone on this planet. He's at work. Now we get to that word gospel. If you've been around church a long time, it's, it's one of those things you always hear, gospel, 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 and it kind of gets thrown on stuff. You know, is it gospel music or what? You know, gospel this, gospel that. It just means good news. It wasn't a religious word before the Jesus people came along and attached that to it. it then that's when it took on a religious meaning or spiritual meaning. It means good news. And what's the good news? Well, in this case, it's the best news that God sent His Son to set us free from sin, to give us eternal life, that, that He took our sin on Himself and, and rose from the dead, and we can live eternally if we'll trust in Him. Now, if you've been around church a long time, we hear a statement like that, and like, oh yeah, of course, yeah, cool, yeah, of course. But we've got to understand, there's a whole world out there that doesn't know the gospel. That this idea of this suffering Savior is, is a strange thing. And, you know, whoever's receiving this message right now, um, and you're like, hey, I don't know, that's a pretty big claim that Jesus is the Son of God, and He's the Savior, and we believe in Him, and He's the only way to heaven. That is a pretty big claim. Sometimes us church folks can forget what a big, big deal that is. But I want to say, as Recreate Church, we want to be a community of believers who are dedicated to being a part of the journey as folks discover the truth. So if someone walks in our doors and they're like, hey, I'm not sure I believe any of this. And, and we can just say, hey, you're welcome anyway. And we're hoping that you'll see that there's truth to this from, from what we say and, and hopefully by what we do. That will demonstrate the reality of the gospel by the way that we live, by the way that we treat people, by the way that we talk, how we show the love and goodness of God. Through us Now, Mark, of course, is going to help us out here. In the book of Mark, he gives us lots of amazing evidence that Jesus is who he says he is. Of course, Mark's not the only one to write the story of Jesus' life. The first four books of the New Testament, you remember that from Sunday school? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four of these guys wrote an account of the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels. And because they follow one after another, 
it's it's easy to think, okay, these are four volumes in the same story, like Matthew's volume one, Mark's volume two, and so forth. But it's not really like that. They're four distinct accounts. It's more like it's more like a football game. It's almost football season, you know. So it's you know, I'm just gearing up for the disappointment <laughs> of being the fan that I cheer you know, the fan of the team I cheer for. There's a lot of disappointment there and um you know, so God's mercy is great, so we'll just pray for that. But anyway, imagine there's a football game, and there's four different cameramen working this football game. Four different camera angles, right? And you see something a little different from each angle. How many football games? One. It's one story, but four different angles on it. And you see four different views of the same spectacular touchdown and when you put them all together you get a bigger idea a fuller understanding of what's going on and that's what we have in the four gospels each of the four guys gives a little different camera angle on the same stories many of the same stories especially matthew mark and luke tell a lot of the same stories but you get a few different details in each one, and you put them all together, and you get a fuller understanding of Jesus. So lots of people will sit down and say, hey, today is the day. I'm going to read the Bible today. This is me. I'm getting started. Maybe it's like early January, and you're like, hey, it's my New Year's resolution. Going to read the Bible. And they're like, okay. So sometimes people will start in Genesis, and that's pretty interesting for a while. And then they get over to the story of Lot, and like some stuff goes on there that's pretty sketchy, and you're like, oop. Yep, I'm thinking maybe not. If you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you'll know. When you know, you'll know. You'll know. You'll remember it. Um, but then they're like, okay, maybe let's try the New Testament. And you open up the New Testament. What's the first book in the New Testament? Matthew. And it starts in chapter 1 with this long genealogy. And even people who are interested in genealogy might have a hard time when you first start out like, Okay, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, begat, begat. What is a begat? I don't know. Well, it means essentially to be the father of, you know, they were the father of. But it takes some real digging. Now, all of that's really important. And man, there's some good truth right in there. But it takes a lot of digging. If you're sort of like starting day one on your Bible reading plan and you crack it open to Matthew chapter one, you're like... Okay, Lord, I don't think I've made a mistake here, but it kind of feels like one. So Matthew is first in order, but maybe it's not the best place to start. Then you think of the Gospel of Luke. Luke definitely starts a little faster. You get to some, some cool stuff there, but it has all this backstory. It tells all the backstory of what happened for and before and there's like a long prologue there's like three chapters of prologue before we ever see a grown-up jesus doing anything then there's the gospel of john which is unique in itself it does get to the good stuff faster but it is like it's much deeper it's much more complex and you know i used to tell people hey you want to start reading the bible go to the Go to the Gospel of John. And there's nothing wrong with the Gospel of John. But if you're kind of new to reading the Bible or you're, you know, you've been around the Bible for years, but now you're really going to get serious and you read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And you're like, okay, what's up with the Word? You know, who, what's this Word? And, and, you know, you find out the Word is Jesus, but it does take a little bit. You know, if you, if you want to start out reading the Bible, you want to get serious about reading the Bible, if, especially if you want to get to know about Jesus, I would not 
Matthew is not the book that I would suggest starting with. Or even Genesis, as interesting as that is. And I wouldn't suggest Luke or John or, or Romans. I would suggest Mark. Mark is the shortest, most streamlined account of the life of Jesus. And it's very likely to be the first one that was written of the four. It was first distributed among some of the most action-oriented people in the world at the time. Mark was written and probably distributed among the Romans first. It was, it was a gospel with the, the Roman people in mind, Gentile people in mind. The, the Romans, they didn't have deep roots in the Old Testament. They didn't know the Old Testament. You know, the book of Matthew was written with some of the Jewish folks in mind. So naturally, they started with a, a Jewish genealogy. But the Romans didn't know and they didn't care. The Romans mostly only liked history because they won history for a while. That was the part of history that they liked when, you know, the winning record of Rome up to this point. But they didn't really care about history that did not involve them winning. I understand that. They, they didn't care about, uh, you know, long, big stories of what happened before. They, they cared about actions. They cared about accomplishments. So when you read the book of Mark, you see a very action-oriented gospel. You see Jesus doing stuff. You see stories that he is telling and stories that he's a part of. You, for that reason, you don't, you don't have to have a big theological background. You don't have to have a Bible college degree to really plug into the gospel of Mark. Mark even goes so far as to translate unfamiliar words for his audience. And of course, best of all, Mark's full of stories. It's not always easy to remember like lists of information. But stories we remember. Stories. Uh, he, he paints pictures of these stories. You know, it's, he uses the words of Jesus and, and we get a story here. And he jumps right into the action. Man, chapter 1 of Mark is so good. It's like the action movie that starts with a big action scene. You're going to see Jesus getting baptized, fighting Satan right off chapter 1. He has a, a battle with Satan. Um, you might call it like a rap battle with Satan because they are like spitting verses back in the, you know, anyway, somebody will appreciate that. <laughs> I did. <clears throat> he has his rap battle with Satan. He's calling disciples, casting out demons, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, transforming a region with his teaching. Mark just jumps right in with both feet and pulls us into the story of this person named Jesus. So you got a friend who's like, I don't know about the Bible. Tell him, hey, start out with the book of Mark. Get to know this Jesus fella through the book of Mark and see what you can find. Of course, here's the thing that's maybe surprise that's very surprising that we don't see anywhere in the book of Mark is is who this guy is. Because if you know something about who he is, you'll be like, hold on, they let this guy write part of the Bible? He sort of famously messed up. He, not so long before he wrote these things down, Mark had come to a point where he had pretty much given up. He got so discouraged, so beaten down in his faith, that he kind of quit. He didn't exactly quit quit believing Jesus, no, but he, he quit ministry for a while. He quit and he went home. Let me tell you about Mark. Mark wasn't one of the professionals. 
so to speak. He wasn't one of the twelve apostles. We don't even have a record of any time that he had a personal interaction with Jesus. Maybe he did, but we, we don't have any record of him having like a conversation with Jesus or, or, or Jesus speaking to him directly. Or him, you know, he, we just don't see that. Um, we don't see Mark named up until chapter 12 of Acts, and that's because his mama had a prayer meeting at her house. And it's mentioned that this was, this was Mark's mom. And we learn there that his full name is John Mark. He's John Mark. That's how he was known, and maybe that's what his mama called him when he was in trouble. I'm Michael most of the time, but I'm Michael David when I'm in trouble. My mom would amen that. She is looking after my grandmother who had surgery this week. Doing great, though. I Praise the Lord. But, yeah, Dad will have to amen that on her behalf. Michael David. Amen. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm Michael David. So he's John Mark. When you see him in the Scriptures, it's usually John Mark. Sometimes it's just Mark. But this, that's who this guy is. We learned that he was a cousin to Barnabas. That's a name that you may have heard if you've hung around church for a while. Barnabas was a great missionary. And, and we really see Mark doing some stuff. When Paul and Barnabas go off on the first missionary journey, they take John Mark with them. And they take off, they get on a boat, and they go over to Cyprus. And they preach to the island of Cyprus. And the Lord does work there. And then they leave there and they go north to what we would call Turkey, but at that time it was, it was a Greek territory, so these were Greek-speaking, culturally Greek people who were there at the time. And that's where Mark got discouraged. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly what happened. Maybe he was disappointed when things weren't going as he pictured. Because you know... You're supposed to get saved and you work for Jesus and everything works out perfectly and you don't ever have any problems. That's not what's... Y'all laughing. <laughs> hasn't it worked that way for you? You mean Jesus hasn't been the ticket to an easy life? Nah. That's not what He promised. It's a better life. It's a joyful life. It's, it's a life with peace in it that's real. But easy? No. Maybe, maybe John Mark was brokenhearted over some kind of setback. Some people think that maybe he contracted malaria while he was in that area because it's kind of swampy. And how many of you know that when you are feeling sick, it's easy to get discouraged and down? Uh, for me, it's not sickness so much as when I'm just worn out. When I'm just so tired, I don't get grumpy when I'm tired. Other people do that, you know. Not us, right? That's what other people do when we're get, we just get tired. Other people get grumpy. Um, hey, watch it front row here. What's grumpy? I don't even know what grumpy means. That's something I just have no familiarity with that. But he might have he might have been pretty sick, so he got discouraged, or maybe he was just homesick he was a long way from home maybe he could not understand why life was getting so much harder when he was trying so much harder to live for god whatever it was he was just done 
I can relate to that. I know what it's like to just feel done. I know what you're thinking. That us preacher guys just walk around floating off the ground as the Lord continually showers blessings on us. And, and when we pull into the Walmart parking lot, God moves in the heart of the person parking closest to the front door to vacate their spot because the man of God is coming. No. I'm afraid it's not like that. You ever feel like the devil's drawn a target on you? Mm. Be sure that the devil likes to draw targets on people in positions of spiritual leadership. He likes to take shots. So, Man, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be down. I know what it's like to be like, Lord, I've taken all I can. I can't take any more. Please don't hand me anything else. I feel it. Mark was there. Whatever the reasons, he was there, he was broken down, he was done, he just wanted to go home. It was fun for a while, but he's like, man, I got I to go home now. Like, uh, we used to have lots of kids over for sleepovers, you know, at our house. Lots and lots of kids. It seemed like when we lived on Main Street, we had like weekend custody of a lot of kids, you know. They were always had kids. It was great, though. But then there was always a few kids that like came to the sleepover, but you knew that they were going home and at about midnight you know they were going to call, like, hey, I, got, I can't do this. I'm going to go home. And that's fine, that's fine. But that's kind of where John Mark was. He, he wanted to be there, but whether it was his anxiety or the circumstances, something got him where he just, it was time. He just couldn't, he just couldn't do it anymore. And he, he had to leave. So he got on a boat and he went home. And we don't know a lot about what happened right after that. I only imagine that it, it took a while for him to recharge and be ready again. I'm glad to tell you he did not quit forever. But he quit for a while. When it came time for Paul and Barnabas to go on another missionary journey, Barnabas is like, yeah, we got to take John Mark. And Paul's like, uh, no. Don't you remember? He quit on us last time. I'm not taking John Mark just so he can quit halfway through again and they really had quite an argument about it barnabas insisted that john mark needed another chance and paul said mm -mm, no we're not going to do it he's not coming with me so in the end paul took another guy named silas and left by land to go visit some new churches and barnabas took john mark and went by sea to go back where they went before. John Mark was a lot like us. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be a part of what God was doing. But man, the pressure. The pressure. I can only speak for myself. But there's been lots of times where my walk with Jesus felt more like a crawl or like I'd been on a crazy carnival ride and you're know, like stumbling around like you're, like you're drunk but a stone cold sober. But just you've been on the brain scrambler. Um, my kids, my Alexis particularly tries to drag me on uh, this ride at the county fair every year that I affectionately call the Barfatron. And I get off of that and it's, it's not good for a while. Sometimes my walk with the Lord feels sort of like I've been on the Barfatron. 
Oh. I can't look down on Mark because I've been there. Something tells me you've been there too. We've all had times where we just couldn't do it before anymore. It's not like we stopped believing. Not really. It's just we hit that wall. And you can't get over the wall. And we kind of stay there until something happens, until the wall comes down, or until we experience the growth enough for us to get over that wall. So we can sympathize with Mark for his struggles. We get it. But it is kind of a little surprising that this guy who had such a notable failure, a notable setback, become a writer of one of the most important books in the Bible, one of the Gospels. How does the guy who bailed out become a Gospel writer? I'll tell you how. Mark got a second chance. The title of this message is the Gospel of Second Chances. Mark's Gospel is the Gospel of Second Chances because he's the second chance Gospel writer. After Paul gave up on John Mark for a while, there was another prominent, famous leader who took Mark under his wing. Not Barnabas. Someone even more well-known than Barnabas. This older preacher took Mark under his wing and he, he, Mark became his protege and his helper. And I wonder if they hit it off so well because this particular apostle, he had a famous failure of his own. You see, Jesus had 12 apostles and uh, you know all of them ran when, when Jesus was captured and crucified, but there was one who very famously said, Lord, I'll never leave you. Even no matter what happens, I'll stick by your side. I'll never turn away. And yet, this same man denied Jesus. Denied even knowing Him when the pressure was on. Denied Noah's like, I, I, whoa, I don't even know who he is. And then the rooster crows, you know that story? We'll see that later on here. And as soon as he realizes what he's done, he runs off weeping bitterly. After the resurrection, Jesus had a conversation with this particular apostle, and you know this guy was probably dreading it a little bit. Like, oh gosh, here it comes, here's the chewing. And you would expect, after denying the Lord, that he would get kicked out of the Jesus Club. But instead, Jesus put him in charge of the whole thing and made him the most important leader over the movement, at least in those early days. Jesus gave him a second chance. And, and he went on to do great, great things. And this same apostle who ran away when, well, frankly, a middle school-aged girl like questioned him, hey, aren't you one of the 12? He's the same guy who's willing to go to prison and death and preaches and thousands of people are turning to Jesus. Who is this second chance apostle who became a mentor to John Mark? It's another guy with two names. Simon Peter. You know that guy. Or you will. You'll certainly know that guy later. They bonded. You, you think of people as bonding over shared interests. 
or shared victories. But Peter and Mark most likely bonded over shared failures. They both messed up in a pretty similar way. They both bailed out and and had regrets there. Here's something that I learned years ago. You may impress people through your strengths, but you connect with people through your weaknesses. I mentioned my football team. Normally when I meet another person who roots for that football team, we become instant friends because we know we have suffered together. We've suffered through 30 years of futility. That's a lot of futility. So, you know, that's... Be sure of this, folks. You've got stuff in your life that are regrets, that are big regrets, and you think God can never use that. But I'm here to tell you, God can use the stuff that you regret the most to do a lot of good. It may give you an opportunity to make an impact on somebody's life because they have some of the same regrets. Whatever you've done that you'd like to erase, I promise you, you're not the only one who's messed up in that way. Somebody out there needs your help too. So Simon and Simon Peter and John Mark became inseparable. Mark became his assistant, kind of like his secretary, his protege. Peter considered Mark to be like a son to him. Now let's answer the question that maybe has been in the back of your mind for a while. We say, okay, you said, preacher, that John Mark was not an apostle. He wasn't one of the twelve. And maybe he never had a conversation with Jesus. We don't, at least if he did, we don't know about it. How could this guy write an account of the life of Jesus, especially one so reliable as to be included in the New Testament? Well, how? Well, now we come to the open secret of the Gospel of Mark. Maybe you've already guessed it. From the earliest days, it has been known that the book that we call the Gospel of Mark is essentially the memoirs of Simon Peter. Peter told him the stories. Mark wasn't an eyewitness, but Peter was. Mark took these, pe- these stories that Peter told him and he wrote them down. It's not like it was hundreds of years later and this was an oral tradition that had been passed down and it kind of got garbled and that's maybe somehow the old hero stories happened. Some of the old legends happened because time passed, passed, passed. No, this is like only 20 years after the resurrection. Maybe not quite 20 years. And Peter is telling him about these stories about Jesus and Mark is writing them down. Through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter told the story. Mark wrote it down. These two men had experienced tremendous public failure. They knew what it was like to be so sure their faith was strong, only to find out, only to crumble when it got heavy. It's a reminder that the gospel is not about the perfection of people. Man, perfectionism is such a a killer I feel that. I'm always fighting that battle, Lord. I gotta, I gotta be this. I gotta measure up to this. And but the gospel is not about me measuring up. Thank goodness, thank God, because I can't. The gospel is about the perfection of Jesus Christ in our place. Jesus is the perfect one. We don't, we don't have to be perfect. He takes us just where we are, broken people in need of a second chance. And we're going to see that the second chance gospel going forward. Simon Peter gave Mark this 
second chance that he so desperately needed, and he used that opportunity to produce this thing, the Gospel of Mark. And it's still changing lives today. And Lord willing, we're going to get to know Jesus better through these stories that Peter shared with Mark. So Mark becomes this gospel writer, but his story doesn't end there. He's not done yet. Years after he wrote the gospel that bears his name, I want you to picture this. I don't know if it happened exactly this way, but it's probably pretty close. Imagine John Mark sitting there. He's... he's um in the neighborhood of middle-aged at this point. He's no longer quite a young guy. And he's sitting at a table alone, and he's studying. He's going through a bunch of papers. He's preparing a message. That's the way I picture it. And there's a knock on the door. And somebody comes in, and this person who comes in has a letter in their hands. And the person looks up at Mark and back down at the letter, reads some of it, shakes his head and looks back at Mark and and, and John Mark's like, hey, what's, what's going on? And the visitor said, it's this letter. It's, it's Paul. And, you know, he's in prison, and he doesn't think he's getting out this time. He thinks this is it. He's probably going to be executed. And Mark just drops his head, you know. He and, he and Paul had that falling out years ago. But it's, the news makes him sad. He, he still cares about Paul, and he's sure Paul cares about him. And the visitor says, but wait, 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 Mark, there's more. He wants to see you. He has asked for you specifically because he believes you're the one the ministry needs right now. Can you please come to Rome? And Mark, he stands up and he collects his papers. He says, I'm ready, let's go. Man, that's such good stuff. I, he got that second chance from Paul too. I don't know if John Mark made it in time to visit Paul before he was executed by the Roman Emperor Nero. I hope he did. But we know for sure that they were reconciled. Mark, who had crumbled under the pressure, got a second chance. He made the most of it. He won Paul's respect. And Paul, who didn't want him, is now asking for him and says, John Mark is exactly the guy we need. As we read the writings about the life of Jesus in this book, remember that they were written down by a man who was not perfect, who, who knew what it was like to mess up and fall down and need to be helped up again. And he was and he did understand that Jesus is the Savior of second chances. He, he's here for your second chance, your third chance, your fourth chance, and on down the line. So what's your story? Are you like Mark? Do you feel like you need a do-over? Man, do I wish I had a time machine. I could go back and slap the... I'm trying to think of a good word. That's church appropriate. Slap the stuffings out of younger me. And say, hey, buddy, you're about to mess up. And like go... like. Like several key points, like, hey, buddy, <laughs> whoa, 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 listen, dummy, <laughs> you got to stop. But we can't do that. What we can do is put our past in perspective like Mark did. Yep, he bailed. Yes, he crumbled, but he didn't give up forever. He didn't quit forever. He rallied and he got a second chance and he made a difference. And that is for you and me today. He's the God of second chances. You, you need a do-over? 
You got some regrets? Give them to Jesus. See what He can do. Or maybe today you're walking in here a little more like Paul, and it's somebody else who messed up. Somebody else who made your life hard. And maybe it's time to give them a second chance. No, 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 no. I don't mean like take your crazy ex back, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm not saying, you know, let that toxic person back in your close circle. Maybe that's not the thing to do. But maybe it's just time to forgive that person that really puts you in a bad spot. That left you shorthanded. That left you holding the bag. Maybe that did something embarrassing to you. You know the story. Thank God for the gospel of second chances, the Savior of second chances. God has given us second chances and maybe it's time for us to give some too. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that You help us to see that You are giving us, You're giving us a chance not to erase the past, but to change the future. God, I pray for that in, in my life that you'll see, that you'll show me what you are doing in my life and how you're giving me opportunities to set some things right or to, to, to use the pain of the past to, to change the story. God, I pray you'll give us grace to forgive the people who have hurt us in the past. To reconcile, maybe not to restore a relationship unless that's what you want, but at least, at least, Lord, to release the pain. God, we give it all to You and we thank You so much and we pray that You'll open up the book of Mark to us that we might begin to understand it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, uh, you, want, you wanted some homework, right? Go read uh, the first chapter of the book of Mark. I promise you, it's an easy read. It's like boom, 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 boom. Cool stuff happening. Read that a couple times and come back next week and we will talk about it. Remember the baptism is next Sunday afternoon. You want to be a part of that, please let me know. If you need directions, we'll get you directions. Just holler back at me. God bless you guys. Send you on with a little journey for your journey. We'll see you next time.